open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight. We've been on our continue series that we've been doing as far as the um, discipleship. We, we stalled on the Holy Spirit uh, because I felt like the, the lesson didn't go far enough. And so last time we met, and it's been a few weeks, I, I guess it was before our anniversary services the following week, I was in California. And then uh, the next two Wednesday nights, um, I was sick. And I appreciate um, Brother Roberts and Brother Axler filling in on those nights for me. But um, we did one just before anniversary services on the Holy Spirit's workings in the church. And it talked about the gifts to the church, evangelists, teachers, and, and those and of those sort. And tonight we're going to look at uh, our spiritual gifts, individual spiritual gifts that are used to edify the body of Christ. Now, here's the thing. I had planned on doing this all in one night. I just couldn't possibly... Uh, I'm just going to do the first point tonight <coughs> and give you uh, five things under that point, but I'm going to give you just one point, and then we'll look at the next two prayerfully next Sunday. I'd like to finish it up because we're going to get into Christmas, and we're going to have, um, once once Master Clubs is done for the season, we'll have full services in here, and it'll be a little bit different format. So uh, I'd like to finish up the Holy Spirit uh, next Wednesday night. We'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're not going to read the whole chapter at one time. We'll work our way through it, but if you look at just a couple verses uh, to start, <coughs> and I'm going to try to be short tonight, because <coughs> I am struggling here. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. All right, so let's, let's look at that for a moment. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, help us to understand, uh, Lord, a lot of information in this passage, and we'll basically go over it three times in the next couple weeks. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand uh, tonight just the description of these spiritual gifts, and help us understand their purposes and why God has given them. And so, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would teach us and guide us into all truth. Help me, Lord, I pray. <clears throat> well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just by way of introduction, if we are going to have real joy in our Christian lives, we need to discover and to develop our spiritual gifts. I'm, I'm going to move this to the other side of the TV because I feel like there's three people to my right and 20 to my left. So I'm going to go over here. All right. Uh, we need to learn how to, de to develop these spiritual gifts. And so if you look at verse 1 again, it says, Now concerning, thank you, sir, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I must not have you ignorant. And so Paul is saying here, there's, there's some things you need to understand about spiritual gifts. I can't have you ignorant. And he makes quite a comparison here in the first few verses when he's talking about this ignorance. He says, You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols. Isn't that a strange thing to say when you're talking about spiritual gifts? Now listen to what he says, even as ye were led, uh, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. What the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us is that uh, the, the Corinthian church basically, is an, it's an indicative sentence here, he's saying that, that this is how you were, you were ignorant of spiritual gifts. You were struggling with your understanding of these spiritual gifts, and as a result, they were abusing them, all right? We know that especially to be true when we come to tongues and prophecies and things like that. They were being abused in the local church in those early days even, as they are in charismatic churches today. 
And, and so he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about it because we need to have proper understanding. Here, here's the problem. Sometimes we go to the opposite extreme, right? And so, I, you know, I kind of, I remember growing up a little bit that way. And I remember um, Pastor Strachan had come through, planted churches in Toronto. And he'd come through the 50s and the 60s. And that was a big sweep of the charismatic movement. And as a result, we, he went the other extreme, right? And uh, how many of you ever remember having a worship service? It was never a worship service. It was a song service. It was very careful about the words that were used. I'm not criticizing him for that. I understand what era he came through and how he was being responsive to that and trying to pull people away. But the problem is, is we're so afraid of wildfire, sometimes we have no fire at all. Now, you could never accuse Dr. Strack of not having fire. So it didn't happen to him, but it happens to many. It happens to many. And they have dread, dead, dried up churches because they're so afraid of the truth that they lack the fire of God. The Holy Spirit was given, notice in this passage, as a gift and is to be used for his glory and for the benefit of his church. And so it's important that we understand and we develop these gifts. So notice, first of all, uh, the description of these gifts. Number one, they are spiritual gifts. They are spiritual gifts. And I think it's just important that we underline that. They are given by the Spirit of God. And it's important. It's not talking about gifts of money gifts of beauty or health or fame. That, that's, uh, isn't it interesting that when you turn on uh, Benny Hinn or somebody like that, they will promise you all kinds of things, but they'll never say, well, God's going to give you the gift of encouragement. That's the gift that the Spirit gives. God's going to give you the gift of exhortation. That's another gift that the Spirit gives. God's going to give you the gift of, of prophecy or understanding the Scriptures that you might be able to teach others. They never promise those things, but those are actual gifts that the Spirit of God gives. So we have to understand the difference between, no, God, but my Bible does say, but my God shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory, and I'm thankful for all the blessings He's given me in my life. But God says, I want to give you these spiritual gifts. Now, understand this, every believer gets one. And we're going to see that in the scripture in just a few minutes. So first of all, <coughs> I just want you to underline in verse 1, they are spiritual gifts. Now jump down to verse 4. I want you to see, secondly, they are supernatural gifts. They are supernatural gifts. And this is important to understand. Verse 4, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So we have different gifts. We're going to look at some of those tonight. There's a listing of them of some sorts. There's diversities or differences of gifts, but it's one spirit. It is something that is given supernaturally. And there are differences of ministrations, but the same Lord. <coughs> and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God, which worketh all in all. Now, I want you to notice something in verse 4, 5, and 6. In verse 4, we have the word spirit. In verse 5... We have the word Lord, but it is L-O-R-D, not capitalized. You see, what does that mean? When we see L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it's referring to Jehovah. He is the Lord. He is God. When we see the title L-O-R-D with small letters, it is referring to a title of Jesus Christ. So now we have the Spirit in verse 4. We have Jesus Christ in verse 5. And in verse 6, we have God referring to the Father. So we have the entire Trinity. This is a supernatural gift 
that comes from God. It is something that God gives us. In other words, it is not a talent, it is a gift. A talent is something that you can cultivate upon your own. A gift from God or something that is supernatural is something that we have to turn to Him and allow Him to cultivate in our lives as we grow in grace. Now look at verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts. Now there's a big Greek word for that word gift in this verse. It is the Greek word charismata. Charismata. Charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, is the word for grace. And mata is the word for gift. So it is a grace gift. In other words, it is something we do not deserve. So it is a grace gift. Charismata is also the word that they've anglicized, and we get the word charismatic, because they emphasize the gifts. They emphasize the gifts. Here's the thing. The gifts were never meant to be glorified. They were meant to be used. They were meant to bring glory to God. But they were meant, never meant to say, well, I'm, I'm better than you. Sometimes that's what happens with earthly talents, right? Somebody gets up and they sing real well, and we go, wow, that's just amazing. And we just kind of, we're, we're excited about a certain singer, or somebody's coming to town, a concert or something, or maybe a special preacher's coming. Well, that's my favorite preacher. And, and, and sometimes those preachers or those singers can get big heads, and they can be exalted in their talents. But that's not the case with these gifts. Because they are spiritual gifts and they are supernatural gifts, we are to glorify the giver, the one who gave us these gifts. So if you were to say, well, you know, Miss Doreen, she's just got this gift of encouragement. She just, God has just blessed her with being able to say the right thing at the right time or sending, you know, just, just when I'm feeling down, all of a sudden there's a card in the mail from Miss Doreen and, and uh, she just has that gift that God has given her. That's about God's glory, not hers. Now, it's nice that she would have that. It would be nice that she could use that properly. And praise the Lord, because a lot of people have gifts and they don't use them properly. But it's, it's to God's glory that he implanted that in her heart to edify the body of Christ, the church. All right? So it is a supernatural gift from the word charismata, which means a grace gift. In other words, it is that which is completely and totally unearned. It is the sovereign work of God the saving work of God, and the supernatural work of God when he places it in our lives. So a grace gift is different from a talent because it is not something we have earned or developed on our own. So let me show you something thirdly in verse 7. So these are spiritual gifts. These are supernatural gifts. But these are also service gifts. They are service gifts. Look at verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Who's it given to? It's given to everybody. A gift is given to everybody. To profit with all. <coughs> that phrase, to profit with all, means simply to profit the others. To profit the whole body. To have a spiritual gift is not a means to an end. In other words, it's not for your selfish gain. It's not to make you feel good. It's not to say, well, God has blessed me. Uh, you, you know, somebody say, well, I, I, you know, I have the gift of prophecy. That means I can take the word of God and understand it. And I can preach a message to God's people and, and, and people will just fall down into the aisles and people will be saved and it'll move the masses. And, and uh, you, know, you know, you're using it to your own gain for popularity. Charles Spurgeon, somebody, or sorry, somebody said to D.L. Moody one time, he finished preaching and somebody said to him, 
That was a wonderful message, Brother Moody. And he says, the devil told me that before I ever said amen. And that's true a lot of times. You just think, boy, I nailed it today. God has blessed it today and God moved today. Not to say that we can't witness God doing something, but we have to understand it's God that has gifted us. It is God's power working through us. And so be careful to understand that these gifts are to be a service to others. So let's read verse 7 again. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of (coughs) wisdom, to another the word of knowledge. And so now we're getting a list of some of these gifts. The word of wisdom. Boy, don't you wish a few more people had that gift? Wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So notice how they all work together in verse 11. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit. God is working them together to do something. Now, you, you read that list and say, well, we don't see all those things going on today, do we? No, we don't. And we'll look at that in, in future weeks. Some of these gifts were sign gifts. They were used to authenticate. They didn't have the entire Bible yet. Paul that was preaching was still writing a lot of these epistles. They wouldn't even have maybe copies of the gospel yet. They just had oral tradition that they would tell about how Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again. The apostles would go out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but pen had not yet been put to paper. And some, they believe, the, the gospel of John, they believe, wasn't even written until 90 AD as he was on the Isle of Patmos. And so we have, we have a, a, a lot of things that needed to be authenticated. So, well, why would I believe you're preaching? Well, sometimes tongues would happen to authenticate that they were actually apostles that the gospel message was true. And by the way, it was a sign against their unbelief. If they did not believe, God would use it as a sign against the Jews. Sometimes they would do a miracle. You remember Peter and John walking into the gate called Beautiful and the layman laying there impotent. And the Bible says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so there were sign gifts. And we'll look at that a little deeper in a week or two. But if you'll turn back to Romans chapter 12 for a moment, we'll see another list of spiritual gifts. (coughs) And some of these are are more evident today. And by the way, there is a way to tell which gifts are relevant today and which ones aren't. The Bible tells us, and we'll show you that as well. Revelation, or sorry, Romans chapter 12, look at verse 4. For we, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. And you could almost substitute the word gift there. We all have different offices. We all have different responsibilities. We all have different gifts. So we being many are one body in Christ. And every one member, members one of another. So we are all part of a body, but we're all members together of that body. Now think about it. How many of you have ever stubbed your toe? You done that? How many of you say, well, the toe hurts? No, you say, my toe hurts. Because it's part of your body, right? And the Bible says, and we're going to see this in just a second, that if one of us suffers, we all suffer. How many of you know if you stub your toe hard enough, everything hurts? Dance around. I I mean, I used to get get migraines for years and years. I I don't remember not having migraines as a child and growing up with it until my wife 
studied it out and found out that my body lacked magnesium and I take magnesium and the headaches went away. I wish I'd known that 40 years ago. And, uh, but you get a headache, your whole body's sick if it's bad enough. I mean, you just want to, you're sick to your stomach. You don't want to, you want to keep your eyes closed. You want to see the light. It just, you know how it is. Everything is magnified. Josh, Josh slammed his finger in the car door the other day. And I, I mean, good night. His whole body hurt for half the day. He just was throbbing, walking around like this. And the thing, you could just almost see it going like that, like Fred Flintstone when he, you remember when those commercials, cartoons. And uh, when one part of us hurts, it often affects everything else. He says, we are all one body. Now look what he says here in Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 6. Having then gifts... Differing according to the grace that is given to us. So there's the same words again, grace and gift. Whether prophecy, and we see that in 1 Corinthians 12, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, there's a new one we don't see in 1 Corinthians 12. Let us wait on our ministering. Some have the gift of just ministering to others. Being an encouragement, being a help, and just being there to meet the needs. And that's what the word ministry here means, is to, to be ministers of the gospel, to meet their needs in Jesus Christ. And then it says, um, or he that teacheth on teaching. We have a lot of gifted teachers in our church. Or he that exhorteth. I know exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. You just know some people that are just givers, right? Just They're just good givers. And I, I don't mean necessarily that they uh, put money in the offering plate. I just mean they're just if, you, if they have it and you need it, they're there for you. They just kind of take care of your needs, and they're a help and a blessing to you. I just heard a story the other day about a preacher. I heard the preacher say it himself. He said that he was in a church one time, and he was talking about the difference between cultural and uh, things in the Bible that are cultural. And he says that verse, for example, greet the brethren with a holy kiss. He said that's a cultural thing in the Mideast, though. And I used to have a, a boss that was from Bethlehem, and he sold the store to a man from Iran, and uh, they would kiss each other in cheek when they saw each other. That's just the Mideastern thing. And so, greet the brethren with a holy kiss. He says, but I, in our, he says, if that were written today in North America, it might say, greet the brother with a handshake. And he says, so it's just a cultural thing. He says, I've never, he says, as a matter of fact, I guess I did one time. He says, I had a fella give me a kiss. He says, we were shaking hands before church, and everybody just walking around shaking hands. And he says, this fella leaned in and kissed me on the cheek. And I thought, wow, that was weird. And he says, it kind of took me back. And he says, but when I got home, he says, I found $1,000 stuffed in my pocket. He says, he'd snuck it in there while he kissed me on the cheek. He says, so the next time I preached at the church, I went. <laughs> but it's cultural. But the gift of exhortation and encouragement or ministry and all these things are given by the Spirit of God. So how, how do we exhort? How do we give? And, he's, and that guy had the gift of giving. Do it with simplicity. That, that word simplicity means there without being noticed. It just simply means to be unassuming. Remember the widow with her two mites? She snuck in and dropped them in. Don't give for your, for your gain. So giving in simplicity. Uh, verse 8. Uh, he that ruleth with dil diligence. There's some people that just have the gift of administration. And they can lead, and they can rule, and they can organize something. And, and those people are easy to follow because they're so well organized. Uh, with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Boy, we need a lot more of that. People that know how to show mercy. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave 
to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now he's talking about things that everybody should do. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation. <coughs> Continuing instant in prayer, disturbing you the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you and bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? I want to get even with that guy. I, I don't get mad, I get even. How many of you ever said that? It says, recompense no, to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore thine enemy hunger feed him, if he thirst give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. What is he saying? He's saying all these spiritual gifts that God has given you lead us into a certain behavior as a church. And all these things ought to be evident in our lives. And so these are gifts of service. They are to profit with all. If we're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 now, to have a spiritual gift is to be a blessing to others. They are not, listen to this, these gifts are not for evidence, they are for equipment. They're, they're not to give evidence of anything special in your life. Instead, they're supposed to equip you to serve God. These gifts are not for our enjoyment, for, but for our employment. Think about that. They're not for our benefit, but for the benefits of others. Number three, or number four, let me give you this. These gifts are sovereign gifts. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Sovereign gifts. What do you mean by that? But all these worketh um, that one and the selfsame spirit dividing to every man. Look at that next phrase. Severally as he will. We don't get to decide which gift we have. Now, Sometimes we use this as an excuse. Somebody can be just downright nasty to somebody, and they say, well, I don't have the spiritual gift of mercy, so it's okay. No, it's not okay. Because as you see in Romans chapter 12, if we are exercising our gifts as a church, it should lead to a general behavior of, as, a, as a body of Christ, to show mercy one to another and to love one another and encourage one. And so even though it may not be a gift that God has given you specifically to edify in the church, it is certainly something as a Christian etiquette that we are to display in our lives. And so you may not be as good at it. You may have to work harder at it. It may not come natural to you. How many of you have ever watched an athlete and some it just comes natural and others they really got to work at it? You know, we used to, our, our boys both played baseball. And uh, don't tell my son I said this. Brendan excelled at it, but he had to work at it. I mean, we'd go out, we'd throw ball. I'd pitch to him for hours and he'd hit and he'd hit and hit. We'd go to batting cages and he'd start pitching to me and he'd work and work and work for hours Austin would pick up a bat and hit a home run. He didn't have to work at it. He just was natural about it all. And so we could never tell, you know, Brendan could see it, but he didn't want to admit it because he wanted to play. And so a lot of things are like that as well. You've been gifted in some areas. Some of you might have to work at it. But there's no excuse to be unmerciful. And so, but the gifts are given as God chooses. We don't decide what gift we'll have. The Holy Spirit chooses our gifts. And so we're not to be envious of one another. If you look at somebody and say, boy, I wish I could be more like Doreen, when she's that, exhorting people, encouraging people. Well, pick up a card and write a note or give them a phone call and be encouraging. 
But don't be envious that it comes natural to her. That's something God has put in her life. So our joy and responsibility is to discover the gift that God has given you. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Now, this verse is often misunderstood. This does not mean we're to covet or pray for a specific gift. This, is not a, this was not written in a sense uh, that is imperative. Instead, it's an indicative sentence. You say, what do you mean by that? Paul is pointing out this is what you're already doing. You're coveting gifts. You're being carnal. How many of you know the church of Corinth was the carnal church? And they were being carnal about it. And he says, you're coveting one another's gifts. You wish everybody wants to preach. And if you were to go back, and we may not get the time tonight, but we will in the next couple weeks to read. He says, if everybody were an eye and everybody were an arm and everybody were a nose, we'd be in trouble. And he said, you're coveting one another's gifts and you're trying to do everybody else's job. But you just can't do that. And so he's saying, uh, but you're coveting earnestly the best gifts. And he says, but yet I show unto you a more excellent way. What is that more excellent way? It's the next chapter, charity, love. Loving one another, encouraging one another, helping one another. And so a, a, a spiritual gift is something that has been sovereignly bestowed upon us. We're not to covet or desire to someone else's gift. We should simply thank God for the gift he's given us. Number five. I said there's five, but there's actually six. I'm sorry. Number five. These gifts are salvation gifts. These gifts are, look at verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Now understand what he is saying here. These, these gifts are salvation gifts. If you've been saved, you receive the Holy Ghost. All right? The Bible talks about being baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of Baptists are scared to death of that phrase, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The problem is it's in the Bible. It's there, and we need to understand it rather than just try to explain it away. I, I met a preacher one time that said, how many baptisms are in the Bible? I said, well, the Bible talks about the baptism a water baptism, Romans chapter 6, and it talks about baptism. And then he got really mad when I said the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I said, Jesus Christ said, there's a baptism that I have to face that you know not of. He said, going to the cross, he called baptism. So there was different, you know, the Bible talks about how all of Israel, or Israel was baptized in the wilderness. They all went through the same same struggles in the wilderness. And so uh, a word that is used in different ways. But what, what's the Bible saying here? He says in verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized. Now here's something that we need to understand. The charismatics will say that later on there's a second blessing. You get saved and as you grow spiritually at some point there will be an emotional service and you will break loose and you will be baptized in the Holy Ghost and the evidence of that is speaking in tongues. That's what they teach. Here's what the problem with that is. Look at verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. It doesn't say just some are baptized. It says we're all baptized. There's no second blessing. It happens the moment you get saved. 
And how does it happen? He puts us into one body. Can you imagine? Can you imagine for a moment? Think about this. The Bible says there's different words that happen when I got saved. Number one, I was born again, right? So I was born into the family of God. Can you imagine? We, we just had the blessing a few months ago of a new child in our family. And can you imagine if uh, they said to us, well, you know, Theo, Theo has been born, but he has to wait on some other experience before he's actually part of your family. We think that's crazy. And now, the physical and the spiritual don't always, I, I don't like that. Sometimes guys will use illustrations from the pulpit and uh, they'll, they'll talk about something in the physical world or the animal kingdom or something and they'll say, well, it's just like, no, it's not. That's an animal and I'm a human being. It doesn't line up. I don't know what you're talking about. That bothers me. But over and over and over again, we see the Christian life and the church compared to a family, to a body, all these things that we see in Scripture. So to say that Theo was not part of our family would, would bother me. He was born into our family. The moment I was born again, I was put into the family of God. I'm part of the body. The second Bible word that we see is the word adopted. Adopted. We've had some families in our church that have adopted children. The moment the paper is signed, they are part of the family. There's no other thing that has to take place. The Bible says this, but as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God. When I received him, I became a child of God. I'm part of his family. I'm part of the body. That's when this baptism took place. Now, there wasn't some sort of weird thing, except all that happened was the Holy Spirit came into life and indwelt me, regenerated my wicked heart, and he placed me into the family of God. That's what it was. I didn't speak in tongues. Can you imagine a five-year-old running around Bethel Baptist Church speaking in tongues? I didn't speak in tongues. Nothing happened like that. Just simply, I was identified as a... And by the way, that same Spirit of God, you know what else he did? He sealed me. And a seal is a good thing. A seal is referring to back in the old days when a king would give a scroll and he put that wax on there and he put his ring. And if you were to travel with that message to somebody else and they were to look at that, they'd say, you, you, they, with great peril, they would travel from kingdom to kingdom and they would attack that man and they'd see that and they'd say, oh, that belongs to the king. That seal of the Holy Spirit says to the devil, I belong to Jesus. It's a seal that's been placed upon me. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. And so these are gifts that have been given uh, to bring us into the family of God. So think about that. Right in the middle of all this thing about spiritual gifts, he says, all these worketh, verse 11, and one in the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, are one body, and so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, uh, where, whether there be Jews or Gentiles, whether there be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. He says this, this, these spiritual gifts, they work together to bring us into one body in Christ, to unite us as a church, Jews and Gentiles. All the, anybody who's ever been saved gets to be part of this wonderful family. And so they are gifts that were given at salvation. God has equipped you with a sovereign supernatural gift, meaning that he has given it from God and it is as he will. You may not have discovered it yet. You may not know what it is, but when you do, you can develop it. It's just like a baby, you know. Nobody knew that Rembrandt was going to be a Rembrandt when he was newborn, but God had already given him the hands to do the paintings. He just had to discover what that gift was. And so 
such as it is with the Spirit of God. Let me give you one more thing. Number six, these gifts are support gifts. Support gifts. Look at verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not of the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But how are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. I'm going to stop there. But notice what he's saying. Every part of the body supports one another. You know, think about if you just cut off your thumb, how difficult it is to pick things up, how difficult it is to function. Somebody said that if you cut off a big toe, if you lose your big toe, you have to learn how to walk again. That little toe makes so much difference in your balance and everything else. My wife, over the years, has suffered with vertigo. And she has this little thing in her ear that every once in a while just goes wacky. That little, little thing can just make her just start, the room start spinning, make her sick to her stomach. It's incredible how one little part of the body can change so much. But on the other hand, these gifts, all these things are to support one another. Can you imagine if the eye said, well, I'm not an ear, so I'm not important, so I'm going to leave? No, the eye and the ear work together. We need to support one another. And so all these gifts, don't get jealous of somebody else's gift, because yours has a purpose. One of the things I had to learn when I came to Bethel was we, I had pastored a church for 11 years, been there 15, I guess, but pastored for 11. And we did everything. We didn't have an assistant pastor until just the last couple of years. And, and I mean, I did the youth activities. We, we did everything. We just, if there was a banquet, we washed the dishes, we set up the tables, whatever. And we were happy to do it. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. But when I came here, we had a sound man. That was weird. I always had the soundboard up on the platform, and I had to change the volumes myself. And we had people that would do other things, and people that could sing, and people that could play piano, and, and we didn't have to do everything anymore. One of the hardest things for me was to let some of those things go. The last thing I'm holding on to is song leading. I love song leading. And I've been doing it for 20, 28 years now, and I hate to let it go. I love doing it. And, uh, but I know that i got to get some of these young guys doing it sometimes. It's sometimes very difficult, but one of the things I had to learn was that there's people that have gifts in those areas that I don't have. And I need to learn that in my weaknesses, we can be a better church if I let them use their strengths. And that's what these gifts are all about as well. God's saying, don't be jealous of somebody else's, because if we all use our gifts, we're a stronger church. We're a stronger body. Look at verse 26, and we'll be done. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer. You see, when we start using our gifts to support one another, we start feeling each other's grief and sorrow. We weep with one another. We pray with one another. But we also rejoice with one another. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. That's the goal. We get to the point where we're that part, kind of family, not just a church, but a family that will weep with one another, 
but we'll also rejoice with one another. You know, it takes a lot of pride for somebody to say, well, I don't need a church. No, you don't need a church to be saved, but you need a church to grow. You need a church to have that support that you need. You need a church because you don't have all the spiritual gifts, and you're going to need those from time to time, and so others can provide them. But all the spiritual gifts work together as one body. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, tonight. Speak to our hearts, we pray. And Lord, I pray you hear our prayer time and know our cries. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.